On this week's episode of the Players Experience Podcast, we chat with CFL alumni Shane Herbert. We talk with Shane about his time with Toronto, Hamilton, and Saskatchewan, the grind to get to the CFL after being undrafted during the 2011 CFL draft year, what it was like to play in his backyard of Ajax, Ontario, in Toronto, and also down the QEW with Hamilton. And we're going to talk about all the experiences he had and some motivational um, quotes and perseverance that he wants to share with the next generation of footballers. Before we bring Shane on to the show, of course, we'd like to give a shout out to our production team, Jay Salty Photography and Vic Barn Productions for the work that you see each and every week with the episodes, the video productions, and the images on Instagram, as well as a shout out to our merch produ- producers, 19 Marketing, for all of their work that they're doing with our merch. As well, guys, we have discount codes for Hush Blankets, Jaywalk, and the Great North Apparel. So make sure to go use those codes to get some discounted items as well. And if you haven't already done it, guys, don't miss out on any more contact. Subscribe today to the Players Experience Podcast on YouTube so you don't miss out on new and exciting episodes each and every week as we come to you live with guests from all sorts of sports backgrounds and uh, work and careers as well. Now, without further ado, Let's bring Shane onto the show and start talking about his football experiences. All right, Shane, how's it going, man? Good, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, how have things been with uh, with COVID and with your active schedule? Uh, you know what? It's been quite busy, almost busier. Um, you know, obviously I've transitioned away from sports and I'm now in the corporate world per se. And uh, there's, there's high expectations, especially when um, you're spending more time behind the computer. So you feel like you never leave it sometimes, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling all too yeah. well. Um, it's, it's funny because, like, ever since working from home, it, it's such a different atmosphere because, like, you go from one room to your other room and you think, like, oh, I'm done work for the day, but it doesn't really feel like you're done work for the day. Oh, it's, it's hilarious, right? Like, um, you know, me and my fiancé, we're, we're here together. We're both working from home, so we have to find our own spaces. Like, I have this background up right now because I'm sitting in a bedroom while she's on a conference call in the in the office, right? So it's just, like, it, it's, it's pretty chaotic for sure yeah hey just be glad i've i have some colleagues that have got shifted down to like the laundry room or the basement so uh, just i haven't been i haven't been demoted that far not yet at least (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome uh cool man well uh yeah let's get right into it i like to start off every show with a segment i call rapid fire so i'm gonna ask you four questions just uh spit off the first thing that comes to the top of your head Uh, okay so Favorite time of day? Morning. Strangest thing in your fridge? Uh, probably Eidos. Eidos? What the hell are Eidos? It's, 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 uh, it's like a type of potato. It's like a tropical potato, if you want to put it that way. All right, all right. I'll have to, I'll have to take a look at that. <laughs> I'm, always, yo, I'm always up for trying new foods, man. I have never tried those, so I'm not. No, you should try. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty good. Um, how about a TV show that you're currently watching to go with those Edos? Ooh. Um, lately, um, I've been watching something on Netflix called The Circle. 
Um, it's pretty interesting, actually. It's about a group of people that actually can't see each other. They only communicate each other uh, via like uh, instant messaging. And it's like a survivor series. So it's like a mixture of a few different things. It's pretty interesting, uh, you know, because there's a bunch of catfishes, things like that. And uh, it's, it gets pretty, pretty, pretty intense and wild. It was so funny that you mentioned that as your favorite show. I know this is rapid fire, but like we're gonna not favorite, but that's kind of current, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, and it, it's funny because my uh, couple of my colleagues, when Love Is Blind was like the biggest rage, I was like, ah, oh, this is the stupidest show. I watched two episodes and I watched through the entire exactly. season because I was like, that's how they get you? Good. Yeah, yeah, they get you. They get you that way. So it's pretty good. Oh man, and what would be another sport you'd want to compete in? Oh. That's a good one. Um, you know, growing up, I played a few different sports. Uh, I played basketball, I played football, and also was a track runner. I was a, I was a hurdler. Um, I was actually getting scholarships for hurdles because I was pretty, I was pretty good at it. Um, and then, you know, came to the point where I had that fork in the road. I had to figure out, okay, what are you going to do? Um, you know, kind of going into university and, 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 and so on and so forth. So I, I decided to choose football. But I think if I were to, you know, let's say choose another path, it would definitely be track and field. It would definitely be hurdles. So leading into that then goes into my first question of how and when did you know you wanted to get into football and make that as a career? I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I just knew I was good at it. Um, going through high school, actually, I was a late bloomer. So let's, let's start from the beginning. I started playing football um, in grade 11. Okay. Uh, so for a lot of people that play when they're six years old, um, I was already behind the curve when it came to that. Um, so I started really late and then I, I you know, started, started getting attentions from coaches as well as scouts, you know, universities in both, you know, north and south of the border. And then um, I was like, you know what, okay, they'll try it out. Uh, football's cool. I like, the, I like the culture. I like the, 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 the team sport in it. Um, so I decided to pursue it. Uh, even through university, my first year, maybe, you know, in around my second year, I was like, okay, I'm actually pretty good at this. Um, I'm doing pretty well for myself. I could probably take this and I'm going to try and take this as far as I can. So I would say it was a little bit later in my, in my kind of football experience that I, that I decided, okay, you know what, let's, let's buckle down. Let's get serious about this and see how far I can take it. No, oh, that's cool. And it definitely worked out for you because uh, you were signed by the Argos in 2011 um, after being undrafted uh, through the CFL draft that year. What was mm -hmm. the feeling for you to not be drafted, but then getting the call from the Argos uh, saying, hey, we want you on our team? No, for sure. And, you know, this, this is something that a lot of people can learn just from my experiences alone. Um, so, you know, I went through the whole process. I went, I was at all the combines. I performed very well. Um, I was very confident, uh, you know, during draft day. And uh, I was actually in the States training for the season because I was already like steps ahead mentally. I'm like, okay, it's, it's time to go. Um, and I was, I remember I was sitting in, in, a, in the living room of uh, one of my family members house that lives down there and I'm watching the draft and you know, each round goes by and goes by and I'm like, okay, don't worry, next round. And my name didn't get called. So, you know, obviously your heart sinks, you, you, you start, you know, mentally doubting yourself and you're like, okay, now what do I do? Um, 
and uh, I called up my agent. We had a quick conversation, and you know, even still, there was a chance that I could get signed as a just an extra body for camp. And at that point, you know, I just wanted an opportunity. So whether I was an extra body or you know someone that was just there to do, you know take reps in special teams, I was I was super willing to do so. Um, about two weeks later, the Argos called me. Um, they wanted to bring me in. Um, they were obviously um, on the docket for, for the draft as well, but obviously they had some other priorities. So I ended up going uh, to Argos training camp that year um, and, uh, you know, super excited about it. But, uh, but yeah, that's where I ended up. No, and that's really cool because um, obviously – being a being a local kid from Ajax, getting to getting to play for your hometown team really um, is is one thing, and then being able to, like you said, kind of go through that feeling and that experience of, of not being called, but then eventually getting getting a break with them is, is another, right? Yeah. So I mean, it was a dream come true for sure. Awesome. Now, after chatting with the Argos, you returned to Laurier. Uh, and the Golden Hawks for a fifth year, and then would make your debut in 2013, a couple of years later. What was your mindset over those couple of years, going back to school, um, and then eventually getting ready for your debut with the Argos? Right. So, you know, in, in, in 2011, I was signed by the Argos. This is kind of the continuation of the story. Um, I went through training camp with them. And, um, you know, I think I did. I had a really good training camp. I ended up being one of the last cuts, I think second or third last cuts um, at the end of training camp. So, you know, obviously an emotional roller coaster because you put so much time and effort and work into this, but hindsight being 2020, you know, looking back at it now, I wouldn't have an opportunity to first and foremost finish my education um, because I, you know, I, I, was, I was just one semester short from graduating at that time. And then, uh, secondly, you know, work on my skills and my tools and bring that back to where I, you know, my, my university, my school, where I could, you know, have a, have a great stellar year. So what ended up happening is I went back to school. I still had eligibility. I, uh, I played my final semester there. I was able to graduate with my, uh, with my, my bachelor's in, uh, in, in sociology. And then, um, and yeah, I had a great year. I had a fantastic year. So much that I learned just in my, you know, my, my month, month and a half time with the Argos that, you know, I had, I had my best year yet. Um, after that, I had a few injuries during the season. So what happened was um, ended up getting surgery on my shoulder. So it pretty much wrote me off for that following year. So we're talking 2012. So at that point, when I finished school, I just started working. Uh, needed to make a living for myself. So I, I started working and, uh, uh, you know, not to get too much off on off topic, but I ended up okay. in Alberta on the oil rigs. Um, so that's, that's a pretty cool story because no, not many people have that experience, but um, I was there for about, I would say four months and uh, it came to the point where I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm absolutely done with this because it's time to get back with football. Um, so, you know, I did my thing. I was able to pay off some student debt and things like that, but, you know, it came to a breaking point where I was like, okay, I can't do this any longer. I need to get back into football. So that's, 
that's when I started training very intensely again. Um, I was able to get into the best shape I was ever in, in, in my entire football career. And then um, I got a phone call for a workout with the Argos again. Um, and, uh, and I was signed after the, after the workout. So, I mean, you could, you can imagine, you know, a person, you know, going through the highs and lows of life of, of, of that, of my football career to be finally, you know, signed on to a active roster. Um, I was super emotional during that period of time because it was, uh, such a hard battle that I had to fight in order to get to there. And it's crazy how you said, but like, it's, it's, sorry, it's cool that you said uh, about the oil rigs out in Alberta. And it's crazy because imagine if you ended up with the uh, Calgary Stampeders while you're yeah. in Alberta. No, that's, that's true, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's crazy, actually. Um, I was doing some workouts out over there as well, like, just because I didn't want to give up on football just yet. Um, not with the uh, not with the Calgary Stampeders, but with the Edmonton Eskimos, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, definitely a transition period, um, but uh, I don't regret it for anything. That's great, and no, that's the way you gotta live life, right? You you want to enjoy your life. You want to enjoy your experiences because they're all gonna tie into something, whether it happens now, three weeks from now, or three months or three years from now. It, it all ties in eventually, right? So. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, you were with the Argos for a couple of years before spending time with Saskatchewan and Hamilton. Out of the three teams, which experience would you say you had um, or had to be your favorite out of the three? It's hard to say, really. Um, <laughs> it really is. And I know it's like, it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds bad because I don't want to necessarily pick one, but I can tell you what elements in different cities that I do like. Um, sure, that. Obviously, Toronto, Toronto, born and raised. So that that's like one of a kind, right? To be playing in your own backyard, having family and friends come to your game. That's irreplaceable. Um, I think that was amazing. When I went to Saskatchewan, it was a completely different story. Um, obviously, I was out there by myself, you know, no family, no friends, except for your teammates and coaches. But the city embraced you. Like, they loved you. Um, they knew who you were. You know, if I was walking on the street um, and, you know, in regular track pants and a hoodie, they would, you know, call me first name and last name and know exactly what my stats are. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was definitely uh, eye-opening to see how, how much they embraced the, 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 the riders players, the riders team and the organization as a whole. Um, and, you know, every, every game day, those stands were packed, sold out, um, and, uh, that was probably one of my favorite, favorite places to play in. Um, the atmosphere was amazing. Now transitioning to Hamilton, Hamilton's almost like the best of both worlds, right? Because you, you're just down the QEW, you know, um, you're not too far away from home, but also you got a city that really invests in their team and really enjoys football as a whole. Right. So I, I thought I, I thought it was really good uh, to, to to experience that because it was literally a mixture of both extremes, um, you know, right in your backyard. So I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Hamilton a lot as well. Um, I, I would probably say you know maybe even the most you know um, just because you get so much of everything at once. No, that's great, and that's a good perspective to really put on it because you're right. It's uh, 
you you want to make the best out of all of the experiences as a whole and um and also you don't want to pick one versus the other because like you know the argo fans that watch this may be like oh, he's in Hamilton, <laughs> or vice versa or even with the saskatchewan it's like yeah come on guy you know i i tell you it was weird kind of switching because you know three years with the argos you learn to literally hate the tie cats like with a passion yeah um like sleepless nights because you're playing the tie cats and you don't like them um and then going to the other side and you're like oh it's not too bad over here yeah all right now i gotta hate the argos this is weird you know um so definitely uh tricky <laughs> now talking about that family and friends component of the game um i i'm gonna be chatting with a, a former teammate of yours chris van Ziel, uh okay. in a couple yeah. of weeks what's one thing about like i've seen chris van Ziel in person i i'm friends with him where we've been able to chat a couple games and he's a big boy and, yeah. and so am i and what would be one thing about Chris's game or personality that stood out for you? And I'm going to ask him the exact same question about you when I chat with him. Okay, cool. No, Chris, um, it's funny because, you know, you meet Chris on the street. He's like the nicest, most welcoming person, right? Um, but he has a different side to him. Like literally, you know, game day, like Chris is a different person. Like he puts on the cape. And he goes to work and uh, he, he's, he's, I mean, he's had a successful career for a reason, right? And he's played so many years because he was able to play at such a high level. So yeah, there's, there's two Chris's. So I'm interested to see what Chris you get when you actually interview him. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I, I think he'll get a mix of both worlds. So yeah, yeah, yeah. When we start talking about the gameplay, the gameplay action will come out. But when I talk to him about the personal side of things, like the strangest thing in his fridge, Right. Then uh, I think we'll get the different <laughs> side of him. Good, good guy all around, for sure. That's awesome. Now, over the last couple of years, obviously COVID has played a huge impact on the game, as it has with every sports organization league around around the world. Um, prior to, the, to COVID, uh, hopefully not pr- post-COVID, but you see a lot of stadiums, such as Toronto, that don't have full stadiums of fans. How do you think the impact of the league has been able to be sustained over the last like decade even with like seeing, like you said, with Saskatchewan, they embrace their fans, but then Toronto and Hamilton, even like I've been to some Ticats games and while they embrace their players, sometimes it's only half full stadium. Same with Toronto. What do you think of like that, the, the league in that style? So, you know, obviously COVID taking a big hit. CFL didn't have a season last year. Um, but I I will say, you know, regardless of the fans in the stands, and I can say this from, you know, personal, personal, you know, experience, you know, when you go and you strap your pads on, it's, it's literally, you don't hear them or see them anyways. Right. And, um, it's literally you against the person across from you and that's all you're focused on. And that's all, you know, that's what you're here to do. So, no, I, I, a lot of people say like, hey, like the game is not going to be the same when, you know, if there's no fans in the stands. I think it's just competitiveness. If you like to compete and you're a person that plays at a very high level, that you're going to bring the level, your, your best game to, the, to, to, to that day, right? So I don't think it'll much affect the gameplay. Um, I do think in some senses, right, when it comes to pressure, 
and pressure time situations that it will be alleviated a little bit just because you don't, you know, you're on, you're on offense, you know, on, in the red zone, uh, playing the tie cats in their place. Right. Um, you're going to hear it, right. You're going to hear it, but not having those situations is definitely going to take, uh, change the game just slightly when it comes to those pressure situations. But I think overall the gameplay will be the exact same, very high level, uh, very exciting. And, uh, and yeah, I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Recently the, I know the CFL announced that they're delaying this season till August with the gray cup being played in December, which is nuts. Cause we already see snow squall gray cup yeah. games in like October, November, depending on where you're playing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in December of this season. Yeah. We'll love of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see Chris Van Zyl, one of those guys, uh, sleeveless, you know, <laughs> and uh, just embracing it all. I, I mean, me personally, I'm a little bit different. I like to put my layers on um, <laughs> and stay warm, but uh, uh, you got to love Chris for that. Oh, man. Now, talking about the the style of gameplay um, and your, your career, has there been one game that stood out in your mind as your most memorable or hardest game to play in, whether that was – like a certain matchup or someone, like you said, when they're going 1v1 against someone and the crowd doesn't matter, is there someone that kind of stood out for you as the hardest competitor? Uh, you know what? Every every game is a challenge, right? It has its own ups and its downs. You have your good ones, right? I normally had my best games against uh, Winnipeg. I, I will just say that, throwing it out there. Um, but, you know, the me in terms of memories, my, my biggest memory was obviously my first game I ever played, you know, stepping into under the lights and uh, being able to, you know, contribute uh, on the team. And then my second biggest memory is my first start, um, being able to actually be on that card and, uh, you know, come out the tunnel and get your name called and, you know, be able to play an entire game. Um, at a high level and, and, and start and, you know, really contribute and be a part of that. I think that was, that was pretty amazing. The level of play. I mean, you know, there's great players out there all the time. You know, I've lined up uh, against some, some very stellar players. Um, so, you know, the, the competition will always be high, but, uh, but yeah, I think those, those two are the most memorable times for sure that I can look back and be like, wow, you know, pretty amazing. That's fantastic. Um, and, and like I said, it, it's always, it's great to have those memories because even though you, your career may be done, you're going to have those memories forever, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, now, a lot of individuals have mentors in their lives who help drive them to success. If you had someone in your life that you could kind of single point, maybe it's not just one person, what was their motivational message to you and who was that person? Well, well, this is a good one. I think I think it's important that you surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Um, I don't think it's just I don't even think it's just you know for football. I think it's for life in general. Um, for me, I had family um, uh, first and foremost, um, you know, to to really support me, um, you know, through the journey. I had uh, very close friends that were there, you know, to to really push me and support me as well. But, uh, you know, talking about football specific, it was, uh, I had a coach, a uh, strength coach, and also a mental coach. Uh, it, was, it was two in one. Um, and I actually met him in high school. Uh, his name's Derek Merced. 
And uh, I met him in high school and uh, we, we're still friends to this day. You know, I can FaceTime him and we, we, we can chat and chop it up. But, um, but it's important. It's important to get that person that was able to not only train you physically, but train you mentally. Um, you know, playing at a high level, it's, it's le believe it or not, it's, it's less physical. When I say it's less physical, I mean, you know, we're all fast. We're all strong. We're all, you know, we all have these physical attributes to be able to produce. The difference makers between the good people and the great people are how they handle things mentally. So I think it's really important for, you know, professional athletes to have some type of mental coach to be able to, you know, uh, work through things with them to get through, you know, the highs, lows, the adversity, um, and, you know, to, uh, to be able to, you know, it helps you perform at a high level. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And with all the different challenges of playing on game days, not seeing your family, if you're in a city, not having that support behind you. Um, and then also too, like the late night flights coming back, if you're playing a late game and it goes into overtime by the time you get to the airport and fly back and all that nonsense, like it can be mentally draining just as tough as it oh, is yeah. coming on the field. Right. So. Yeah, it's definitely taxing sometimes, you know, when you have a tough game and, you know, you still have to travel. It's, it's a lot. Right. And, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, me at the time, I didn't have a family, but a lot of these guys had families they had to go to. A lot of these guys, you know, couldn't see their family for, you know, the entire season. So it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of ups and downs when it comes to that, um, that maybe people don't really realize, right? Like it's, it's, it's not just, you know, a nine to five time job. It's literally, it's, it's your, your, your entire life. You eat, breathe and sleep it um, for at least the season. And then you, you do it in the off season as well. Right. So it's definitely very time consuming for sure. Now I like to end off every uh, show with a segment I like to call words of wisdom. So with you, what would your words of wisdom or advice be to the next generation of football players or young kids that want to get into football and kind of start making a name for themselves um, and, and start off a career? For sure. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest ones that I can tell just based on my story is never give up, right? That's huge. Um, you know, if you really are convicted and if you really believe and want to do something, you can do it, right? And, you know, sometimes as adults, we forget this um, because, you know, uh, it, it's almost like the younger generation and you feel more uh, willing to take chances and take uh, and, and, and make mistakes. Um, but yeah, never give up. Uh, another huge one though, is, is to not skip the process. Like there is a process with everything that you do. Right. And what I mean by don't skip the process is like a lot of people, uh, they want to be, uh, you know, whoever, right. Uh, let's a professional athlete because of the fame, right. Because of the money because of all of these things. So they just want those things and they focus on those things, right? But they skip the entire process on how to get there. And I think the most important part is to put in the groundwork, right? Build the foundation, right? And figure out how it's gonna, what's gonna take to get there before you actually reap the benefits, right? And, uh, and skipping the process could be one of the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest mistakes you can ever do because you'll never reach, you'll never reach your goals and you'll never reach you know, that, that satisfaction of being where you want it to be. 
So kids, don't skip the process. Stay on track. Don't skip. Don't skip the process. Put in the work. Well, Shane, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks again. And we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Take care.